Hey everyone, and welcome back to the River Heights Buzz Podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Alexa. And I'm Candace. We are on episode 57 today, and today we are going to be talking about the 2002 movie, Nancy Drew. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm throwing this out here now, I'm. this is the first time I've seen this movie. Oh, yeah, it was the first time that I'd seen it, too. Um, I didn't even know that it existed. In 2002, I would, this came out, like, at Christmas time, I think, right? Is that what it... It's, like, a couple weeks before. Yeah. Um, so, I would have been 11 at that time. I don't remember anything about this. I was just, like, starting my Nancy Drew adventure at that point. But apparently this was also a wonderful world of Disney movie. Had no idea that uh, it was that kind of movie, which makes me wonder like why Disney didn't do more with Nancy Drew if they had like gotten the rights for the name, I guess, you know what I mean? And done more with it. But yeah, this is the first time that I had ever seen this movie, knew absolutely nothing about it. So I had going into it, I had absolutely no expectations. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. uh, I know it was kind of like okay what's this gonna be about like you yeah know, see how it goes and I had just turned five what a baby <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you know so yeah you absolutely don't have any memory of it then nope yeah <laughs> The 2002 Nancy Drew TV movie originally premiered on ABC on December 15th, and it stars Maggie Lawson as Nancy Drew, who some of you may know as Detective Julia O'Hara from the TV show Psych, which happens to be my favorite show. (laughs) It seems to be slightly based on the Nancy Drew on Campus series as well as the original series. The TV movie was dedicated to the very first Carolyn Keene, Mildred Ward Benson, who had unfortunately died earlier that year in May. This was technically not actually a movie, but instead it was originally the pilot episode for a TV series. The pilot was ordered in January of 2002, but sadly, a few months later, it was announced that the series wasn't picked up for the fall lineup. So instead, the pilot aired as a TV movie as part of the wonderful world of Walt Disney, which was meant to see if it would do well for a mid-season replacement. ABC actually ordered six more scripts for the show, and the actors were all on contract for the 2003 spring premiere. However, in January of 2003, ABC decided to not pick it up at all. Now, this TV movie, or pilot, was never actually released on DVD or VHS or anything. It's not even on any streaming service. The only way to watch it is on YouTube because somebody had illegally uploaded it on there. Um, So you can watch it on there in full, but that is unfortunately the only way. And it's not in the best quality. So I will say I like the idea of this movie because... She is her normal, like, 18-year-old self that we are used to, but this sees her in a college setting, which I really, really liked. I was going to say, she finally made it to college. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, like, because that's something that is never really discussed in the games or in the books. It's just kind of, I guess, kind of understood that she went to high school and she graduated, and now she's just... Solving mysteries. That's what she does. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, let me, I should be more prepared, but I'm not. I mean, you know, I was telling you that I spent um, three hours playing a game and lost track of time that we were filming today. So despite the fact that you messaged me earlier in the day asking if it was still okay to meet tonight so I am absolutely unprepared so I'm getting this from 
the regular Wikipedia page for this movie. I'm just going to read a very brief plot summary. Nancy Drew begins college with her two best friends, Bess Marvin and George Fain, at River Heights University. Love that, by the way. After the star football player goes into a coma, Nancy investigates finding a campus-wide conspiracy and a fraternity's drug use. The original release date was December 15th of 2002. So just, it was just under an hour and a half. Yeah. I mean, so. But I really, um, overall, and obviously we'll get back like deeper into it. I really did like the kind of idea of Nancy in this setting because we, uh, to my knowledge, have never seen her in this kind of setting, whether it be books, games, TV show, other movies. I think this is the only one that kind of puts her in a college setting. Like I said before, this is actually very similar to the Nancy Drew on Campus series. It only consisted of 25 books in total, and it went from 1995 to 1998. So it actually didn't end that much before this movie or TV show came out. So it makes me think that they were probably pretty inspired by that book series. In that book series, Nancy Drew goes to school for journalism, and there's not as much mystery as the other books. A lot of it is just focused on romance and stuff, but there is a little bit of mystery in the background. Which I think is really interesting because I feel like, you know, when you're a freshman, you're just starting school. Um, it's very easy to make friends. Everybody wants to make friends because typically no one knows anybody where you're at. So everybody's trying to find a friend. But I could see how Nancy's personality of being nosy, to put it nicely, uh, can rub people the wrong way. And I could see how it could be hard for her maybe to make friends. Found it interesting in that aspect and then like i said i went into this with no absolutely no expectations knew nothing about it started looking at some of the people that were in the movie and the girl who plays nancy maggie lawson is actually from the town next to where i live nice <laughs> she's from Kentucky. so um didn't know that thought that was pretty cool like I said, she's starting as a freshman at River Heights University, which I thought that was pretty funny, you know, keeping in, in line with the books as far as River Heights. And we see Nancy driving her blue roadster. Love it. Iconic. And I noticed that it had an Illinois uh, tag on it, which I guess, you know, keeping with the whole premise that uh, I think it's pretty much common knowledge at this point that, you know, the Nancy Drew River Heights universe is going to be in Illinois. So sorry to butt in again. It's actually unknown where River Heights is supposed to be. It's only Illinois in the Nancy Drew Files series and the Nancy Drew Girl Detective series. So a lot of times film or TV shows will make it so that River Heights is in Illinois. But for decades, Nancy Drew scholars and collectors have been trying to figure out where River Heights is supposed to be. It's a huge debate amongst the community. Without going into too much detail, uh, I'll just say a little bit of what it could be. Clues point to it being a Midwestern town that forms around the Muskoka River, but the possibilities range from Illinois, Iowa, Ohio, Indiana, and New Jersey. When Mildred War Benson wrote volumes 1 through 7, 11 through 25, and 30, she was picturing River Heist to be in Iowa because that is where she was from. And you can see clues to this when she references the cornfields and farmland and other references to the Midwest. Um, in these books. However, there are also times where Carson can just take a day trip to Chicago, which makes it seem like it's in Illinois. And when Harriet Adams started doing the revisions in 1959, the location started to look more like New Jersey, and Nancy was able to do day trips to New York City and whatnot. 
There's so many clues and speculations on where River Heights actually is, but I think it's impossible to actually pinpoint an exact location because it seemed to vary based on who wrote the books. If you are interested in learning more about where River Heights could be, I do have a blog post with information that I have gathered from various sources and I have listed those sources in it as well so you can check it out for yourself. Um, I, I have it in the link in my bio. I don't really like to... Um, <laughs> advertise my stuff on here because you know this is not my podcast um, but if you want to just message me I don't know <laughs> like I said we find her and Bess and George moving in as freshmen to River Heights University and let me just tell you when they are moving into that dorm that's like the nicest freshman dorm I think I've ever seen I was thinking that too, where it's just like, usually, I don't think that they're that big. No. No. <laughs> they're usually Mine's what? Not. Like, like we see, like, Beth, not best George and Nancy's room, like, because they, they share a room. Yeah. Like, it's usually about, what, that size or, like, a little bit smaller? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> because, like, when I was in college, um, my first three years, freshman, sophomore, and junior year, I was in, like, a regular dorm situation. So I had a bedroom that I shared with another girl, and we had enough room in there for two beds, two desks. That's about it. We had a mini fridge. We had a microwave, like, you know, pretty small. Shared community bathroom, like, you know, no privacy when it comes to the bathroom. Um then my senior year, I was still on campus, but they moved me to a, um, what they called the village, which was like a townhouse. So there were six girls total that lived there, me and five other girls. And so there were three bedrooms, three bathrooms, a little kitchenette kind of area and a living room. So it was a little bit nicer setup, but I mean, I have never seen like a dorm that looks like that, like a suite like that. It looked on a full-on apartment. It really did. Like, I'm thinking back to when I was a freshman, and I feel like I got gypped. <laughs> like, um, you know. But anyways, so the girls are moving in, and they meet this boy, Hank. Was his last name Luckman? Uh, yes. I think it was Luckman. Yeah. And he's kind of goofy and, you know, whatever, but... Uh, then all of a sudden they have a fourth roommate named Christina or Teeny as she goes by. And she seems to be like an absolute disaster. And she, I remember at one point when Nancy was like, oh, um, something about the sheets and changing them. And she, Teeny's like, you can change them when you yeah. change them. Ew. <laughs> of course you change your sheets. Like. <laughs> yeah. So poor Bess, because that's who she's going to be living with. Um <laughs> So then we see Nancy heading to register for her classes. And I just am sitting there thinking, this is like your pretty stereotypical depiction of college that you see on like TV and movies, which I mean, it's not, I mean, it's pretty far. I mean, not too far off from like my personal college experience. Um, that seemed to be a much bigger kind of um, campus. So that's not what I was used to. I went to a smaller school, um, but I feel like the way that they depicted the whole campus was like your basic generic college campus you see in movies. Like it kind of reminded me of like Legally Blonde or something like that. Um, and so we see Nancy going to her first class, which was Journalism 101. And I got so tickled 
as her sister. Still from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> I never really watched the show, obviously, because I was born yeah. at the towards the end of the nineties. Yeah. But I have seen like bits and pieces of like a few of the episodes. So I recognized him as Uncle Phil. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I at least kind of know who he is. <laughs> I got so tickled. And he was rude, which believe me, I understand. Like I never really had professors like that in school but I know some people who did and I think the reason why he was acting the way he was was he was trying to weed out the weak ones which as the class progressed people were getting up and leaving um because they just didn't want to deal with him um so kind of an unconventional way to meet you know a new class of students but um, so Nancy gets her first assignment and she has to write 3000 words and, um, the best essay is going to be picked and that person is going to get the chance to work on the school newspaper, which I guess, I guess is like a really prestigious kind of thing, which I get, you know, I understand that I was never a newspaper person, but you know, I get how it's a, it's a big deal. Um, for me, I only go for the comics. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, and so we see the girls going to the on-campus coffee shop, as you have to do in a girly movie. Um, and we see Hank again, and he's working there, and he's horrible at his job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Poor guy. laughs> he's, like, goofing off and spilling stuff and terrible. Um, and so they end up leaving the coffee shop, and... Um, we noticed that there are sororities and fraternities on this um, college campus, which isn't always a thing. Like the school that I went to didn't have that. Um, but we see, you know, new students rushing, what they call rushing these sororities and fraternities, which is, you know, the week or two long of activities that people that want to join the sorority or fraternity have to do in order to join. Um, and, uh, the girls decide that they're going to attempt to try to join a sorority. And the one that they go for is called Tri-Pi. And uh, Teeny shows up too in the last minute. And she apparently is already going to be in that sorority because she was what they called like a legacy, which, you know, automatically made me think of warnings at Waverly Academy <laughs> because, you know, that is the thing. Um, so I guess she had other, um, female relatives in her family that were part of that sorority. And because of that, she automatically gains entry to it because it's just, you know, sisterhood and all that kind of thing. Um, and you so, can tell during this whole thing, George is so uncomfortable and she does not want to be there. Oh no. Yeah. hundred percent. Because I, I don't mean, blame her. Cause the George we know is not like that at all. She's sporty. She doesn't want anything to do with like girly stuff. And I mean, sororities are like girly stuff on steroids. I'm like, I'm with George on this one. I yeah. do not want to be in a sorority. And I'm yeah. like, I've been like pretty sporty since I've been a kid. So I'm like, no, nah, this sorority thing is not for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if my school had had it, it wouldn't have been my thing either. I just don't have any desire to do that. Um, so the girls are mingling around in the group and they're, you know, talking to these other girls that are wanting to be part of the sorority and then talking to girls that are already in the sorority. And then all of a sudden an ambulance shows up 
and um, the president of the sorority is giving a speech at the same time as this ambulance shows up. And, you know, it pans over to the fraternity across the street where the ambulance is. And you can see someone being pulled out on a stretcher. And apparently it's the star football player. And he just so happens to be the fiance of the sorority president that was currently speaking. And so, you know, of course, all the girls are talking and people are mentioning drugs and, you know, how rumors spread when something like that happens. No one really knows the truth. So they're making things up. So um, obviously when Allison, the sorority president, sees that it's her fiance being wheeled out in uh, into the ambulance, she's running across the street and she keeps saying under her breath, I'm so sorry, you know, something's going on here. So of course that piques Nancy's interest because of course it does. That's what our girl. Her interest. Exactly. <laughs> That's our girl. She's got to know what's going on. At this point, everyone's kind of distracted by what's going on. No one's really paying attention to anyone else. So Nancy and Bess head back into the sorority house and they want to start asking people questions. But Bess is nervous about doing that because, you know, they depicted Bess in this movie pretty close to how she's depicted in the books. Um, super ultra girly. Uh Interested in always helping Nancy, but always being nervous about it. Um, worried about the approval of others. Typical Bess. Yeah. Um, so the girl that answered the door when the girls knocked is um, the vice president of the sorority. And she's like super secretive and doesn't want to let them in. Um, and actually makes them leave because they're currently talking to a police detective about what happened and what all they know about the football player. So of course, can't get in through the front door. Got to find a way to sneak in. Of course they do. It's the Nancy Drew way. So the girls end up sneaking into the house through the kitchen in the back and they head upstairs and they go into what is Allison's bedroom. And there's a bunch of boxes in there and like some of Allison's stuff is gone, but not all of it. And the boxes that are in there have the um, initials of Jacqueline, the vice president of the sorority. So homegirls already moving her stuff in, assuming that the president is going to leave. Like all these sorority girls bug me to no end. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. They're too preppy. They're too perfect. <sighs> Yeah, like, like no. they're super catty and not like true friends. Like, if she really cared about Allison and was a true friend to Allison, she wouldn't be moving her stuff into her room. She would be trying to be there to be supportive of her friend who's going through a tough time. So, immediately, that was suspect to me. Like, seems very strange. I would not want to have any of them as friends. Yeah, they seem like horrible friends. This next part, I really didn't understand. So Bess and Nancy start throwing Jacqueline's shoes out the window to act as a distraction so that they could escape. But they went out a window and down a fire escape that was nowhere near the front where they were getting them all to go. Like they didn't need to throw their shoes out. They weren't going to be seen the way that they went. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought that was kind of weird. But anyways. Um, 
so scene changes and Nancy is talking to Carson, her father, and she, <laughs> she wants permission to go and talk to this um, police officer. And Carson is depicted in this movie the way we're used to seeing him. He's an attorney, um, you know, really important, very intelligent kind of guy, usual depiction of him. So we see him, like I said, talking on the phone to Nancy and he's talking to his clients about to walk into court. And he's talking, he's talking about Vordeer, which I know a lot about in my current job. That basically is just the line of questioning that attorneys do when they are in the process of picking a jury for a trial. Um, basically, voir dire is like a set of questions that um, an attorney asks to make sure that the people that are potentially going to be on the jury can be completely unbiased. And it also helps you find out some more background information about the potential jurors to make sure that they aren't like related to anybody involved in the case, things like that. So I, I really... He said Vordier and I got really excited, <laughs> which is dorky, but you know, whatever. He gives Nancy the permission to work on this case. And it's a good thing because Nancy was probably just going to do it anyway. She was literally on the phone with Carson while she was walking into the police station <laughs> to go talk to this officer. The police there are obviously very well aware of her father. Um, and they're kind of rude. Like they don't really want to deal with her. And they want her to leave. And she just, you know, is Nancy and is stubborn and says that she wants to talk to Sergeant Presley, who um, might have some more information for her. Uh, some other officer ends up talking to Nancy, who we find out is Detective Daly. And um, I guess he was the one that was questioning the girls at the sorority house. Yeah. And, uh, so she really doesn't find out much at this point. But I found I found that the cops that she was talking to when she first got to the police station, they were also sexist to her. They absolutely were. And it's like Absolutely. There, like what was the reason for that? Yeah. Like, Not necessary, but you know how that goes. This detective, Detective Daly, he was like super flirty. I noticed that and too. Weird. And it's like, as Nancy was walking away, you could tell he was checking her out. And uh -huh. almost, I don't know about you, but it did it almost seem like he was looking at her ass? Yes. I was like, hey, that just can't be me. Yeah, no. It, and it, I mean, he looked young, don't get me wrong, but still, like, she's 18. Like, I don't know. It was weird. And, that, and he has to at least be in his 30s. Yeah. At least. I was saying. <laughs> um. So Nancy leaves after not really finding out much of anything. And so she ends up following Allison, the sorority president, to the hospital. And Nancy sees that Jesse, the football player, is hooked up on a ventilator. Like, this is serious. Um, so Nancy talks to Allison, but she doesn't want to tell Nancy what's going on or give her any information. She doesn't want Nancy to tell anybody that she's there at the hospital. Um, I mean, it's, it's a really weird kind of situation. Um, and so of course, Nancy's trying to find out more information about what is actually going on with Jesse, which, you know, the paralegal in me is like, you know, sirens going off in my head because of HIPAA. Like you can't, find out other people's medical information it's against the law um so nancy 
trying to distract the nurse dresses up as a candy striper, which I don't even think that exists anymore. I don't think so. Which if for any of our listeners that aren't familiar with what a candy striper is, it basically was something that I feel like was big, probably like what, 30, 40 years ago. Um, people, typically women that would dress up and just um, try to make sick people in the hospital feel better. Like I think they would hand things out like candy and other things like that. But they, they basically were just kind of like, I guess to keep people's spirits up. Yeah. I really don't know how to describe it other than that. I mean, it was kind of a form of entertainment, kind of. Um, but they were typically volunteers. I don't think any of them I ever got paid to do that. It was just, you know, you kind of wanted to do it just out of the goodness of your heart, I guess. Um, but anyway, Nancy dresses up as the candy striper and distracts the nurse long enough to look at Jesse's file. Like I said, I'm like dying on the inside because it's so illegal. You can't do that. But it's a movie. I understand. So Nancy going through the medical records learns that Jesse had a stroke and they did toxicology on him to try to figure out what else had happened to him or what could have caused the stroke. And he tested positive for ephedrine and caffeine. So he took something, yeah. but now we just have to figure out what it was. So Scene changes at this point and we are at Nancy's house and she's like looking through his library. It looks like, like his office. And Carson basically says, you know, Nancy, you need to have fun in college. You know, I know that, you know, solving mysteries is part of who you are, but this is the time in your life when you need to learn about yourself, have fun experience things in college and don't be so bogged down by the mystery that's currently going on. He's basically just telling her to live her life. Yeah. I, I remember mean, when I was in college and it was just like school. Yeah. Like I didn't go out to parties or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my school wasn't like a big party school either. Um, there were parties occasionally that I would sometimes go to, but it was more like all the people that I was on the team with, because like when I was in school, I, um, was on the bowling team for my school. And so it was, I mean, it sounds like a click kind of thing, but it really wasn't. We just spent so much time together that that's generally like, we all just hung out with each other. We all had friends outside of the team, obviously, but it was like the majority of our time was spent together as a team. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, my school was pretty small when I was going there. I think there were like 4,000 or 4,500 students. Like it wasn't a big school at all. So not really a big party scene. The, the way that they depict this school seems much bigger. Um, and I, I kind of noticed that in the scene where she was in Journalism 101, it was more of like a lecture hall. Whereas like my school wasn't like that. Like we, I think the biggest class I ever had had like 35 people in it. Yeah. <laughs> like it was real small. Uh, Nancy is of course trying to search about these things that were found in Jesse's toxicology report. And she finds out that ephedrine is part of a performing uh, enhancing drug, which makes sense of him being an athlete. So back at the school, Nancy finds Allison and asks her about the ephedrine if she knew anything, because 
um, we had found out previously that Allison was pre-med as a major. And I mean, we can tell at this point that this is what Nancy is going to write about because if the star athlete had tested positive for performance enhancing drugs in his system, he can't be the only one. There must be other players that are doing it. So I can see how that would be a hot story for the school. So of course, Allison knows exactly what she's getting at and tells Nancy she can't write the story. Um, and we kind of learn a little bit more background of Allison and that um, she says she does not get along with Jesse's parents and she can't even go see him during regular visiting hours at the hospital because his parents have like banned her from going. Like why? <laughs> yeah. Very strange. Um, but we learned that uh, it's an important year for the football team and that the coach made them do whatever they had to do to win, even if that meant taking illegal performance enhancing drugs. Like you can't do that because it gives you an unfair advantage, you know, not even counting the fact that they're very dangerous, clearly. What if like, so, I just thought of too, if they were all taking those kinds of drugs and it was like in the middle of a game, let's say, and they all just dropped down on the, on the field. Yeah. Like, and what if they just like got really ill or died? Yeah. Like I mean, it's a liability. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. Um, so apparently what we learn is that um, this particular performance enhancing drug has really adverse reactions. If the person taking it has hypertension which apparently Jesse has, and I guess they didn't know. So like I said, we learned that Allison was a pre-med student, and so she wasn't happy about Jesse doing these performance-enhancing drugs, but she wanted to be the one to administer them to him since she was pre-med, thinking that maybe it would be safer that way. I mean, you know, her being pre-med really doesn't change the fact that he's taking illegal drugs. Let's just go ahead and, and say it as it is. So of course, Nancy goes and talks to the coach and he denies everything that she says. Um, Nancy then of course runs to the athletic director and asks him about what's going on. And apparently he had already been previously warned that she was coming. And he says like a really lame excuse is that a formal investigation is in progress. And I mean, it basically just sounded like he was trying to get her out of his face. And another thing too, is that he had made the comment where he knew that Allison was giving Jesse these drugs. Yeah. And I'm like, how would he know that? Exactly. Like he seemed fishy to me the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. He did. Nancy is on campus and uh, all of a sudden uncle Phil, <laughs> her journalism professor hollers at her because even he has gotten phone calls from the football team as well. And he's telling her that she needs to abandon the story and that he needs solid facts and her story is not going to be usable if it's not founded in fact. Yeah. So, and I mean, that makes sense. So Nancy goes home at this point and we see Hannah, which I enjoyed the fact that they had Hannah in this and Carson is cooking dinner for them. And so at this point, Nancy's suspects are the coach and the athletic director. Okay. Out of all this time that we've known Carson, have you once ever seen him or read about him that he is cooking? Do you remember? 
there's one thing that sticks out in my mind <laughs> and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's one of the games and it was one of the games where we had emails coming in, but we couldn't send emails out. And so Hannah was emailing Nancy and was saying that there was like a, a water main break or a gas leak or something at the courthouse and Carson had to come home and he was driving her nuts. He was doing stuff around the house. He was trying to fix something. I don't think, I can't remember if she said he cooked or not. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I want to say it was danger on deception Island, but don't quote me. I don't remember. I have just a very vague memory of that. But other than that, no, I don't, I can't recall any other instance of Carson cooking. Because for pretty much like every other time, it's always Hannah. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, she's the housekeeper. But. And, she, and I will say she does a heck of a lot better than Antina did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but talking about Carson cooking, wouldn't it be funny if in season four we saw Carson and. um. Oh my God. What's his name? Ryan. Ryan. God, I wanted to call him by his real name. Carson and Ryan cooking together, like wearing aprons. <laughs> I love that. I would, it would actually be hilarious if Nancy got them both an apron for like their birthday or for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> love it. That's another thing that I want for season four. More chore wheel. Oh, I I thought of something else too for the show that I wanted to see, but now I can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. we'll get there. So yes, Nancy was kind of telling Carson about what's going on and her theories, and um, obviously he's worried about Nancy. Um, I mean, trying to uncover something as serious as illegal drug use in an athletic program. I mean you make the wrong person angry and it can be dangerous. I see where he's coming from. Yeah. Like, it makes sense being concerned. Um, he's worried that she could possibly be expelled or be sued. I mean, there's a lot of different things that could happen. And he really thinks that she's taking a, a massive risk trying to write this story and they get into an argument about it. And I mean, it very clearly upsets Nancy. And I see, I see both sides of the argument. Like I said, she is, you know, trying to write the truth and bring to light something that's very serious and very dangerous. But I also see it from Carson's point of view, being an attorney, but also being her father. Like he's worried about the, the repercussions that could come from writing a story like that, making someone angry, someone taking, um, the chance to potentially hurt Nancy for exposing the story. So she leaves and is obviously very upset about the whole exchange. Um, and uh, Nancy gets back to school and she has a message from Allison saying that Jesse is stable, but he's still in the intensive care unit and that they're going to have some scans scheduled and um, at this point, Bess is getting ready for a fraternity party and George doesn't want to go. And Nancy doesn't really either, but they all end up going. And then at the last second, George is like, yeah, I'm going to a protest instead. I'll see you. 
<laughs> a lot more George's speed, you know. Once again, to me, this whole party scene was like your stereotypical college movie party scene. Um, some girls are like drunk, telling Nancy that they can't talk to her because Jacqueline told them not to, the vice president of the sorority. Um, the girls recognize one of the football players at that point, and Nancy um, goes and tries to talk to him to get information from him, but he recognizes who she is and won't talk to her. He pretends like he's giving her answers, but then he mentions something about the school has this some kind of deal for broadcasting the games, and um, the player, whose name is Franklin, uh, starts talking about the misrepresentation of African-American players in football, and that he's trying to make a better life for himself and for his mother, which is very admirable, you know, taking a stance being that young. Um, and so Nancy goes back after the party to um, her dorm and she has a message for her left by Ned. She missed their date. What else is new? I, I mean, really like, and I think it's interesting that the later games, like the more recent games, we're kind of seeing more of the breakdown. I mean, I wouldn't say breakdown of the relationship, but I really don't see another way to describe it because it's like they're not communicating well. Yeah. You know? Um, so I even, that, I even had that written down in my notes where it's like the relationship between Nancy and Ned in the, this movie reminds me of Nancy and Ned in the later games. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, they're uh, just like not on the same page. No, the communication isn't really there. Um, so, uh, then detective Daly calls Nancy and wants to meet her at a diner. And this whole time I'm like, this guy is so suspect. Like he's so flirty and it's so strange and inappropriate and I don't like it, but whatever. Um, so she goes and she straight to the point Nancy Drew asks him why the police never investigated the drug use at the school. And he says that it isn't illegal. So that's why they didn't investigate. So apparently these performance enhancing drugs were not an issue to the police. I don't know. It, that seems weird. I mean, maybe they're not like illegal in the fact that they're, are drugs that are like sold but it's like i would say it's illegal in that you can't have athletes taking stuff like that and then playing games against other schools because it gives them obviously an unfair advantage like yeah. that's illegal as far as like the rules of like college athletics or even high school athletics like even too with the professionals now like I guess that there's random drug tests that they, they take. Yeah. They aren't able to compete in the certain tournaments if they test positive for a certain kind of, like for any kind of drug. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, when I was in school, um, yeah, we had to submit to random drug tests. And I mean, they really were random. Like you never knew if you were ever going to get picked or not. And I got picked once just out of the blue my sophomore year and um the athletic trainers were there and they watched you to make sure you didn't mess with your sample they took it that seriously which that doesn't bother me i mean i understand like they gave me a female since i'm a female 
And, you know, it's not a big deal. I understand they're doing a job. I had nothing to hide. So, you know, it didn't bother me, but it's like, they take it very seriously. Yeah. So, um, so, um, <laughs> I wrote in my notes that the detective is like hardcore flirting with Nancy and it's like super uncomfortable. Whenever this happens in any movie or a book or whatever, I always go back to Dave. Yeah. From Shadow Ranch. You got a steady back home. Like I like I I know it may sound repetitive, but I, I I just can't get that out of my head. I know. I love it though. I love Dave. I know. Anyways. Um <laughs> And so at this point, Allison called Nancy and she somehow is on the news and apparently has been expelled from the school. And she sees the athletic director talking on the news. And of course, Allison is very upset, obviously. Um, And so at this point, Nancy calls Carson and asks for help to help Allison. And he basically refuses to help and says that it's not a winnable case. I'm just like, that's kind of not the Carson we know and love, but okay. I know. Kind of an interesting choice there. Um, but Carson attempted to explain to Nancy how a prosecutor could twist the case against Allison as far as, you know, her being pre-med, but not being a doctor yet, obviously, and giving her boyfriend, fiance, whatever, future husband, these drugs. So, I mean, I see where he's coming from, but I mean, I feel like the Carson that we know, like in the books, would take any case, I feel like. So Nancy realizes at this point that she's got to get some hardcore snooping done. So she calls Hank, God love him, and they break into the athletic director's office looking for clues. Love that. Classic Nancy. Um. So Nancy's going through like the filing cabinets while Hank is getting on the computer and she finds documents that apparently a player had died during a voluntary practice at the school and that the school paid uh, his parents and paid money to a fund in the student's memory. So I'm like red, like red flags are going off. Like, you know, this is deeper than we think. They're going through the athletic director's calendar and he has like a calendar full of fancy dinners, which almost seems like he's like trying to schmooze people, like pay them off or or something like that. Seems very strange. And then all of a sudden the coach catches Nancy and she ends up getting arrested. Oh gosh. And the coach shows up at the police station and goes into the interrogation room and talks to her. And she tells him that uh, he and the athletic director and the school are all wrong for making these players take these drugs. And I mean, she's right. Like, There's so many repercussions that could happen from that. It's a major risk that they're making these students take. So of course he leaves and is mad. And Carson comes to get Nancy and he is super aggravated with her and tells her that she just needs to go back to school. And George and Nancy, or sorry, George and Bess at this point are worried about Nancy because she's like not eating. She's not going to class. Like this is kind of consuming her at this point. 
And Nancy feels guilty about what happened. And so she's trying to fix things for Allison. Cause like I said, Allison had gotten expelled. And so of course, George and Beth say that they'll help in any way that they can. And so Hank at this point is searching for more evidence to help Nancy as well. And he gets the stuff that he printed for her previously before they got caught. And like during that whole time when Nancy and Hank were looking for information, that was the worst possible time for Hank to ask Nancy how to ask Bess on a date. Yeah. (laughs) God bless. (laughs) Um, So Nancy and the girls decide that they're going to try to talk to the Tri-Pi sorority girls again. And of course, Jacqueline, the VP, stops her. And says, Allison is no longer a part of the organization. And Nancy, of course, is taking up for Allison at this point. Because like I said, she's trying to make amends and fix all this. And so Nancy then goes to a football practice and tries to talk to Franklin, the football player that she had talked to earlier. But he says that he can't talk to her because there are scouts there. I assume he means like professional sports. Um scouts are there and um, she tries to ask him about the player that had died. And he ultimately says that it's the student's choice to take the drugs. I mean, I feel like that's not true. I feel like these students were getting pressured by the school and the administration that they need to do their part to make the program better and them doing their part is taking those drugs. Yeah. Like I feel like the whole overall theme of this is pretty topical because you know over the years there have been various stories of schools having instances like this so um i feel like this movie was a a really good representation of like a real kind of mystery that could happen and at this point the coach comes up behind nancy which was really creepy And um, Franklin says that he has nine months until he graduates school and goes professional. And, you know, Nancy tries to tell him that she realizes he's a good person deep down and that he can do the right thing by helping her bring this all to light. Um, And then scene changes and we're at Detective Daly's office and Nancy and Franklin come in to talk to him. And Franklin says that he will be a witness And then scene changes again and the girls are at the coffee shop and Nancy is, you know, working the case, working on her article and Ned shows up with flowers. Uh And it's kind of awkward, but he basically says that he was going back to school himself. They kind of make up but it's still kind of weird and awkward scene changes. Allison is visiting Jesse at the hospital. And then Nancy tells Allison that her father can't help, which like I said, doesn't seem like Carson. I didn't like that part. That was weird. And it's um, like throughout the whole movie, it's like not the whole movie, but part of it, it's like Carson didn't seem like Carson. Yeah. Because it's like obviously I got to kind of get what you were saying where it's like obviously there's certain things that like he's trying to make Nancy understand it from the lawyer side of things. Yeah. Like I get that. But at the same time it's like it's Nancy's his daughter. Yeah. And it's like he's trying to balance both things. Yeah. You know and it's just and he seems more tough than what we've seen before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And 
also the way that I see it is like, did you not become a lawyer to help people? Like yeah. that's what she would be doing by doing this, but okay. <laughs> um, and so Nancy then shows Allison the story that she wrote and she, it's basically the way that she wrote it is to help Allison and paints it in a completely different light that she was trying to do the right thing. And so Nancy then takes the article to uncle Phil, the journalism professor, and he's now like super interested in what she wrote. And she ends up winning that spot to work on the newspaper, which is pretty cool. And then everyone starts reading the story in the newspaper, including the coach and the athletic director. And now the police now get involved, you know, day late and a dollar short, but okay. And Carson ends up reading a copy of the article and decides that he does, in fact, want to try to help Allison, um, which really kind of mends the fight between him and Nancy. And that's pretty much how it ends. I felt like there were a lot of loose ends, like does Allison get back into school and does she graduate and end up going to medical school? Does Franklin graduate and end up going pro? Um, are there criminal charges that come about for the coach and the athletic director and anyone else involved at the school? Does Jesse come out of the coma? Yeah. Does Jesse get out of the hospital? Is he okay? Like there are a lot of kind of open-ended questions. And even to like, I think that at the end, Nancy Carson were kind of like in that agreement kind of way, but mm -hmm. at the same time, they didn't really like talk things over. Yeah, it was kind of just like it was understood that things were okay, if that makes sense. These are all things we would have had closure for if only it got picked up for series. Ugh. You know, other than the fact that I feel like there were loose ends that could have been tied up, um, I did really like this movie. Uh, like I said, I enjoyed uh, seeing Nancy in a college setting. I was talking to Mark before we started recording this, and he asked me if I liked it. And I said, you know, yeah, I do. I said, you know, I like Nancy Drew movies. However, I feel like Nancy's story is much better told in the format of either books or a television show because you can only do so much in an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah. You can't fully dive into characters and backstories and overarching stories that last an extended amount of time you just can't do that in a movie. So I feel like Nancy and the stories that involve Nancy are better told in the format of a TV show or a book. I agree. But all things considered out of the movies we've watched so far, 2019, 2007, and this one, I think I'd probably have to say, uh, I like this one the best. I agree. So on a scale of one to five, what would you rate it? I'd probably give it a four. It, it's missing a star. Like I said, just because there were so many open-ended questions left and it kind of ended on a weird note. Yeah. But I thought the acting was fine. I don't think I recognized any of the other characters except for, like I said, the journalism professor. I don't know. I feel like a company like Disney could do a lot yeah. with Nancy Drew um, just because of obviously how big of a company Disney is and how much money they have. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I could see them doing 
a lot with it. I think it's interesting that it was a, a wonderful world of Disney movie. Um, Cause I had, like I said, no idea that it ever existed or was a thing, but yeah, overall, I really enjoyed the fact that Nancy was in college um, just because we never really hear her talk about school or anything like that. I mean, the closest we ever get to is like warnings at Waverly Academy, but yeah, I mean, overall I, I give it a solid four out of five stars. I would give it a four too. And yeah, it's pretty much like what we were saying and what you were saying about all the different like loose ends, like schooling, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I recognized Carson. Oh, did you? <laughs> from a couple of other things. One of them being from because I watched the show The Blacklist and that's where I saw him and he portrayed like. If you, any of the listeners listeners watch Blacklist, you know this, but he was like a younger version of Reddington and impersonating him in a way. Mm -hmm. He was Ilya Koslov. I'm looking on (laughs) Wikipedia right now to see if I recognize him from something else. The actor that played the detective... The one that was checking out Nancy. He yeah. ended up dying in November of last year. Did he really? And I'm checking on Wikipedia and it said that he died of combined drug intoxication. Yeah. And he was wow. only 41. Wow. And him and Maggie, who play who played Nancy, they're the same age. Well, they were. Oh, age. really? Yeah. Hmm. Did you find that Maggie in this movie, how she portrayed Nancy was similar to how Kennedy portrays her? I thought it was. I thought it was, yeah. She was more of a, it was more of a mature version of Nancy, which is how I feel Kennedy portrays her as well. Yeah. But they keep, one thing I like about the TV show is that they keep the, kind of essence of Nancy in the books as far as like driving the older car which obviously in that time period is not an old car that's like a regular car anybody would drive in that time period um but like the more modest clothing older style vintagey kind of retro vibe yeah I mean I, I feel like the way that Kennedy portrays Nancy is a true modern version of Nancy and I felt like Maggie kind of portrayed it the same way can't remember what episode it was but there is an episode of psych where they call Maggie Lawson's character Juliet Nancy Drew which was a purposeful nod to this Nancy Drew tv pilot slash tv movie don't get me wrong I like the other movies but I felt like for me the 2019 movie I think might have been the weakest I think so. There were just some very strange stylistic choices with that one because it was almost like they couldn't decide if they wanted to be more modern or if they wanted to be more like vintage Nancy. And what they ended up doing was a weird combination of both that I don't know. It just, it wasn't very strong. Like it, 
it left a lot to be desired. And that's not like trying to be mean or rude to the people that were in the movie because I didn't think the movie was bad. Just in comparison to these other versions that we've seen, yeah. it just didn't hold up as strong. And I mean, I get everybody has a different different interpretation of Nancy. And that's, I think, one of the best things about it is that, you know, obviously Carolyn Keene is a fake name. Lots of different people wrote these books. So we have different genres almost of Nancy in these different book series. Like the files are a much more like adult version. Like there's a lot of murder that happens in those books, whereas that's not really a thing in the earlier editions. So it is interesting to see different people's interpretation of Nancy because I think everybody sees her a little bit differently. And she changes throughout the years, I guess, to be more relevant to, you know, the current time period. But, I mean, I think you and I both agree that her character overall is timeless. Mm -hmm. And she fits really into any kind of genre. And even, too, like, eventually we'll talk about the Nancy Drew movies from the 1930s with Benita Granville. So we'll see how, how those go. Um, and then I just thought about too, maybe we should rank them from lowest to highest. Once we oh, watch, I think we should. Like once we watch all the movies. Yeah, I definitely think we should. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm really excited to watch those older movies just because, I mean, I've not really watched a whole lot of older, older movies like that, but they're obviously very different than today's movies. Yeah. Uh, so I am very excited to see how she's portrayed back then. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I'm really glad that we, we watched it and discussed it because I really did like it. And it's definitely a version that I would watch again, for sure. And I will say that this movie was dedicated to Mildred Wirt Benson. Yes. I did see that because um, she passed away that That year. That year. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I found cool was that they, at different points throughout the movie, they had like a freeze frame and it was placed on the cover of a Nancy Drew book. Yeah. Like the yellow flashlight version. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. It it was like a, a still from that scene, which I would assume that was like their commercial breaks. Yeah. And uh, cause I watched it on YouTube. So obviously there were no commercials. Um, but it was like the still from that scene and then it would almost go to like a version that was like hand drawn and then placed on the book. I did like that. I thought that was very interesting, but yeah, the, the movie was dedicated to Mildred and actually I didn't know this until I listened and I know I mention them all the time, but I'm a big fan of it's locked podcast, Emily and Caroline. Um, I think it was Caroline that said that ghost dogs of moon Lake game was dedicated to Mildred as well because it came out in 2002 as well okay which i did not know that okay that's cool yeah i am reading um i'm on the regular wikipedia page and it's just like the reception portion mm-hmm. it was like laura fries of variety states nancy drew is off her game the plucky heroine from the books of mildred wart benson aka carolyn Keene." just doesn't have the same relevance she once did 
and while ABC's updated version for The Wonderful World of Disney is a slick, earnest effort, it's way out of place. So, and, but the movie was nominated for a 2003 PRISM Award in the category Movie or Miniseries for Television. I can see, I can see where that person is coming from. Um, I mean, as much as I wish Nancy was more mainstream, it just appears that it's not. And I mean, that just, that kind of just is what it is. I mean, there's not like a whole lot of action or anything like that. It's not like it's romance. I mean, it doesn't fall into that kind of genre. I mean, the books were made for like what the age eight to 12 kind of range, eight to 13 kind of range. So I, I see, you know, what people mean by that. Um, but I think that overall in literature, Nancy is a very important character, I guess, in the form of feminism. But I mean, she's just a very strong female character, which I feel like you didn't see a whole lot of at that time in history. Um, and that kind of storyline is timeless and it's important, you know, and I, I understand when the games first started that they were created to get girls interested in science, mathematics, technology, that kind of thing. So, you know, it's important. I just remembered what I was going to say about another thing I want for a wish list for the show. Oh, okay. Our podcast gets a shout out in some way. Oh my God. That would be amazing. I would be literally like, fall off the couch. Unless it was like something to do with a newspaper or like news on TV or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. I would be so excited. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's all my. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of River Heights Buzz podcast. You can find us on Instagram at River Heights Buzz. You can email us at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook in our Facebook group and on Twitter at River Heights Buzz with just one Z. Check us out next week as we dive into game number 32, Sea of Darkness. I was asked to give you guys an update on that. Candace had a work thing come up, so she was unable to read the book that they were supposed to do this week, so they did the movie this week instead. So next week is actually going to be Nancy Drew Mystery Stories number 24, The Clue in the Old Album. And then after that, then it will be Sea of Darkness. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>